Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Munkinass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. All those highlights. You know, discussions are continuing about the future of baseball here in 2020. John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations, will be with us at 1130 to talk about that this morning. The manager of the Cardinals, Mike Schilt, is eight minutes away. He will be joining us from Florida as he continues to quarantine there. It's a quarantine honeymoon. And the honeymoon, just, you know, just continue it on. If you right, got a BK? quarantine, it's, that's a pretty good time to do it. Yeah, I it's guess. not bad. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. he's still uh, down there with his wife, Michelle, and, and their two girls. And we are continuing following Cardinal Baseball in the 2011 season. We have a game at noon today, and we'll hear some members of that team. Matt Holliday. Matt Holliday, one of the great Cardinals, really. I mean, he wanted to be in St. Louis. He ended up, remember, going from Colorado to Oakland first and then to St. Louis, and he once said (laughs) in his speech at the Jack Buck Awards when he received the Sports Personality of the Year, he told the story about pulling up to Oakland Coliseum for the first time because his agent and everybody told him, patience, you know, he may end up in St. Louis. They do want you, but he had to go to Oakland, and he said, when I pulled up to that place, I wanted to throw up. (laughs) He... He did not like that ballpark. It was, uh, to him, a really a bad ballpark. It never and was. The only thing nice about Oakland Stadium was their sound system. Oh, they boomed they some sound in there. They had terrific sound they boomed system. Some, I saw the Raiders playing there. It was yeah. weird well, going to a Raider weird. game there. The Raiders, yeah. it was a different kind of world, man, when you pulled into that lot. And I remember the Rams came in there, and I was covering the team, and I pulled in. I, I wasn't on the team bus. I had a car. But I pulled in that lot. I'm like, whoa, yeah. we're in a different world here, yeah, boys. Definitely. Uh, the Rams went in, by the way, and absolutely smoked them. It was like 29 nothing, just dominated them. This was a little bit later than the greatest show. It's kind of on the tail end of the show. Okay, but they just smashed them like no mercy. And the the Raiders fans still were into it, though, man. They. <laughs> And you don't want to be on the team bus after that game. No. no. That was a rough place. I think of all the moves in the NFL, and I'm not, you know I'm not big on the NFL right now, but that move to Vegas could be pretty strong, I mean, for, for the Raiders. That is That stadium looks pretty sweet. Vegas, once we get back to, you know, backing off of the guidelines a little bit and able to get back together, that place is going to be, Vegas will be the first place to, to be alive again and everybody doing what they do there, but... To have an NFL team there, and they will draw more fans from L.A. than yes. the Rams and Chargers combined. They will. That's L.A.'s team. That is L.A.'s really team. Is, that, yeah. People in L.A. will make the trip to Vegas and spend mm-hmm. the weekend watching the Raiders. And what a stadium. They turned out Oh, they turned out to have the golden deal of all of it. Yeah. They, it, it, 
destroys what Kroenke has. Yeah. Kroenke Stadium, which still isn't going, um, will be a great place to host whatever, Super Bowl, Olympics, Academy Awards, whatever they decide to do there. NFL, it's not it. Yeah. It's just not it. It's not a football town. Vegas is a sports town and a great one. So that that's a, a great move. Back to Holiday. <laughs> he will be he will be our guest today. And then John Jay. And man, did John Jay have a great season in 2011? He really did. He, you know, you think about all the players, but Jay made so many things happen at the top of the order, the bottom of the order, as a fourth outfielder, as a starting outfielder. And here he is in game two. The Cardinals are losing four to nothing in Philadelphia. I mean, they are on the edge here, about to get knocked out. Because, you know, if you go down 0-2, it's trouble. To win three straight against the powerful Philadelphia Phillies is just not going to happen. you got to get one here somehow. Jay, Cardinals down 4-1, fourth inning. Now the pitch. Jay swings and singles to right field. That scores Yadier Molina. Terrio gets the stop sign. The throw comes through. On to second. Jay, he is safe. Jay makes it in safely. Good base running there. Really good base running. A single, a run batted in for John Jay. His first RBI in postseason play. And as Mike said, very heads-up base running. He's on second. Now he gets a little aggressive here. Second and third, two outs. The pitch. Swing and a line drive base hit the left center. That scores one. Here comes Jay. Here comes the throw. The slide. And Jay is out at the plate. Ibanez throws Jay out. Oh, they're all excited. Jay got thrown out. Listen to those Phillies fans. Jay comes up in the sixth and does this. Swing and a ground ball. Base hit the left field. Here comes Terrio. Here comes the throw. He is safe. And this game is tied. And into second base goes Jay. It's 4-4. A big two-out base hit by John Jay, his second RBI base hit of the night. Just a huge game for John Jay. I know that Chris Carpenter, rightfully so, gets the credit in that series, and he should. That was the, one of the great games in Cardinals history, which we will hear on Tuesday night, shutting out Roy Halladay and the Phillies to clinch game five. But in game two... John Jay kept this season alive, in my opinion. Now, Alan Craig triples in the seventh, and the big boy takes care of business. The pitch by Lee. A swing and a hit to left field. That's going to bring in the go-ahead run, Craig. Albert takes a turn at first, and he'll hold on. Asking you shall receive. The Cardinals lead 5-4. And then the bullpen was just lights out last night. You had Dotel and Rhodes, and the Cardinals just hammer it down and win this game 5-4 to four in Philadelphia and even the series at a game apiece. Game 3 is on the way at noon today. We will have Matt Holiday and John Jay off that 2011 team before that. John Moselock at 11.30. You know, and John Jay is a special place in my heart because Sue and I were at spring training one year and late in the game, he got the key hit that won the game. And I thought, John Jay, I'm going to remember that name. Oh, man. And he, the next year, here he is doing that kind of stuff. He was a good Cardinal, no yes, doubt about it. Uh, Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, is next. We'll talk about that and much more with the Redbirds skipper. It's sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. We'll be back right after this. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, and it is time to visit with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, the 2019 National League Manager of the Year and the NL Central Champion. How are you, sir? Doing great, Tom. How about yourself, sir? Doing outstanding. How is quarantine and how's the honeymoon? 
Well, you know, it's unfortunate that we're having this situation, clearly. But, um, you know, we, um, we're we doing great. You know, it's a good time to be able to spend time with the family and continue to grow our relationship and, and um, you know, still playing for some Cardinal baseball coming up. But um, life's been pretty good. How about yourselves? Uh, things are going well. It's a beautiful day here in St. Louis today. We dealt with a lot of rain yesterday and I think the day before, too. But here today, it is blue sky. It's sunny. It's a fantastic day. It'll be a good day to get outside once I'm finished here. And, Mike, I know that we have baseball on our minds right now. The one thing that you and John Mosellock uh, both provided on this show last week, and you know, we kind of felt it throughout the week, is that at least there's some optimism, some hope. What that looks like, we're not entirely sure yet, but we like hearing the fact that there's discussion going on, and that is encouraging. What can you tell us right now? You know, not a huge update of anything from last week, Tom. Um, I think I'm going to have a little better picture, hopefully, uh, beginning part of this week as we, um, you know, it's kind of been a, you know, week and a half to two-week situation of um, kind of figuring out where we are with the country, where we are with the testing, and then how we modified all that to put a big operation that is putting out a major league, you know, slate of games every night, basically, uh, into a schedule that, that makes sense from a safety and a, and, a, and a baseball standpoint. That's right. And we, of course, will be following, as we all do in everything that we do in, in this world as we know it right now, the guidelines that are laid out to us by the government. And it has been, I think, you know, an opportunity for us to step back, pause, and appreciate life a little bit. But it's natural to get that itch. I mean, you're a competitor, too. And there's the, you have that in you. I know that. And and you want to see your, your guys, especially the way that spring training was going, it really looked like things were on the rise for your team. Yeah, they're definitely on the right track. Um, we have synergy. I don't, you know, clearly there's been a disruption of that. But I do feel confident that... Um, our entire group, players, of course, leading it, but, um, you know, the staff doing our part to work with the group, but just staying together more just about that connection of uh, humanity right now and then the synergy that will take, take place um, from a baseball standpoint. We'll, we'll start to add some of those things in as we feel like we're getting closer to resuming and, and we'll, um, you know, we'll do our level best not to miss a beat. That's good to hear. Uh, what uh, do you, I know we kind of closed the show with this last show, but I do want to open with it a little bit. And I just love hearing you talk about the things that I don't want to say miss because we all miss the game and I don't want it to be sad right now. <laughs> I want you to tell me, mm-hmm. what do you right. what do you love about this game? Like as we sit here and we pine for it and we want it, what is it that that you love about the game itself? I know you you want to be with your guys and see your guys in those smiles. The, the game has so many different layers to it. What does Mike Schilt love about it? Yeah, the layers are. I mean, there's. You're right. Um, there's so many layers that, which I think, actually, I know people have that common bond that that allows them to enjoy and appreciate baseball from a lot of different perspectives, um, and and just bigger answer your question the one thing i've always just in general appreciated about the game first of all i've never gone to a baseball game and see somebody not have a good time (laughs) (laughs) you know and and i always wonder um as i look at it i've done this from a scouting perspective clearly from a managing perspective um and just look around the stadium and wonder and, and see where everybody's getting their different levels of joy from 
um, what lens is everybody looking at the same game from a different perspective? Um, and that's one thing that's so beautiful about the game. So I miss that. I just miss the fact that people get so much enjoyment from so many different reasons from the same same game. Um, you know, personally, what I miss, gosh, man, the show's not long enough, but um, I, I really miss um, the preparation that a group puts into on a daily basis for for one game. And, and it's really hard to capture unless you experience it. Um, but seeing all the different pieces that that go in, and I'm talking about um, the players' piece, you know, very highly dedicated. I mean, they're doing their jobs, but we have some super professional guys who are very, very, very dedicated to their craft. And to just watch them show up and go through mentally, physically, what it takes to to perform on that day, and then to repeat that over, you know, 162 games in a normal situation plus playoffs, and including spring training. It's just highly impressive. And then to see the different departments that operate at a high level and function in an organization. Uh, and some of these departments, you know, people don't really – people can take for granted um, from the clubhouse perspective. You play a day game after a, after a night game, um, and you show up, and the clubhouse is immaculate. You're, everything is in its proper place. Um, you're getting, you know, there's been a turnover for, from a food standpoint. So, and it's just like it just was just it just happened, and we know it did. You know, Mark Walsh and his group with the clubhouse do an amazing job of, of making sure when we show up, we get everything we need. The uniforms look crisp and, and fresh. Um, so that's just one microcosm that I just I just appreciate. Um, our staff, you know, seeing and looking up and walking in and seeing Mike Maddox right there reviewing the previous games. I mean, Mike Maddox is going to watch the previous game from the night before prior to planning for that day's game. Well, that's, you know, you can edit through all that you want, but that's a lot of time, energy, effort. Um, and then you look over and you see all the different staff members doing various and sundry things to get them prepared. And then you start to pull it together and start to put the pieces together with the players um, and the communication of what we're going to and how we're going to compete that particular day. Um, what are some of the little things that we can, you know, we call them exploitable moments, things that, you know, that we can prep the player to see or they can on their own and can share with the group. Um, and then, and then you know, go out for batting practice and the ground balls and the physical part of it and the attention to detail there. And then that comes into the grounds crew and, and Billy and his group, Billy Philly and his group at home. You know, it just you just show up and maybe you have early work with Harrison Bader throwing and, and you know that's set up there. And then we have extra ground balls with with um, DeYoung and, and Colton and um, maybe somebody wants some extra swings on the field. Maybe Yachty wants some extra swings. And all that's just done seamlessly, but it's planned out. Molly Marmar, bench coach, helps orchestrate all that, and and then batting practice, and and then the game. You know, all that goes in for the game. And then the game comes into play, and it's just full metal jacket. It's um, you know, it's a in a, a, a relaxed intensity where you can play, perform, be loose, be free, let the guys enjoy themselves, play, play um, with just passion and enjoyment. 
um, trust what they're all the work that I've alluded to, and just just you know get after it and enjoy the competition, and and of course be ready from my seat to to make sure that I've done my homework prior to the game. I sit down with Ollie and, and Mike Maddox, and we game plan the game prior to what happened as as much as we can. You know who's available, who's in our bullpen, who's in their bullpen, what matchups we like. Um, you know, if this scenario happens early, what do we do? If it happens later, what do we do? How do we adjust? Um, you know, and, and prepare for the black and the whites so when the when the gray starts and the gray's gonna be out there, you know, it's a multitude of decisions that that you're ready to to make, you know sometimes one decision in a moment and sometimes there's there's ten decisions hinging on one decision and figuring out what that looks like and putting them in order. So Long answer to your question. I could keep going, but those are things I enjoy and miss. I love hearing that stuff, and I wish that fans could see all that that you described before the game because I've I've described it to people, and I've had such uh, – it's been such a privilege since, gosh, 1997 to be able to walk into that clubhouse in my allotted time that I'm allowed in there and be able to see – some of what's going on, not everything, but I, I get some pretty good access. And I describe it to people as like walking into someone's office. So you have these people go, they work in this department and they're walking down the hall and they're making copies of this. And then you have people over here holding a meeting about this. It's like walking into a company. And people have asked, uh, kids who are trying to get into my business have asked, how do you develop a relationship with players and the manager for that matter in a trusted relationship where you can do interviews and get those interviews. And I said, you have to start by knowing that you're walking into their place of work. So the the best time to get Yadier Molina to do an interview is not when he grabs a bat and starts walking off to take cuts, right? That's I mean, right. You, these are things that you have to respect and understand. There's so much going on from what time do you get there? I mean, right after lunch, probably. Uh, you know, usually for uh, depends on you know first day of a series um, for a seven o'clock game, I'm going to be there ten o'clock. Okay, yeah, you're there early, and then probably you know yeah, and then because um, I need to do my get my stuff situated prior to people really showing up, and there's still some staff members that are there that early, but um, I, I you know I've got about on that particular day first game of a series, um, you know you've got. I mean, some of my prep work's already done, but you know, I've got pitcher catcher meeting, I've got uh, staff staff meeting, pitchers catchers meeting, and then the um, our, our ball talk to start the series off with. Um, of course, you know the media. So there's just there's just um, you know there's just a lot more prep work on that first day, and then probably uh, about eleven eleven thirty on um, you know games after that night games. You know, you mentioned the black and white and when the gray happens, which happens in every game, you have to make decisions. It's it's amazing what uh, goes into that, too. And you have already prepared for certain things to happen. You, you never know entirely what's going to happen at a game, but you have uh, backup plans for everything. And you have an unbelievable video room. I mean, that, that group, Chad Blair and that group is, it's amazing yeah. what you guys can do in a matter of seconds. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, a lot of the video stuff is done, you know, to prep us for those decisions, not really during the game necessarily. Right. But, um, yeah, Chad Blair, his group, Ben, Mike, um, and, and Tim, they, they do a great job, you know, of, um, you know, Chad travels with us. He's been there. He's a valuable resource. And the thing about Chad Blair is he's not only really, really good at what he does and, and his, his team of, 
supporting what we do. On, on, and we ask them to do things on a moment's notice, and they just they just get it done. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. But Chad's also a valuable resource. He's came over with Tony, um, so he's been here a long time in St. Louis, and he's a he's um, he's a big part of our group that helps with. Uh, he knows the game really well. He knows the league very very well. Smart guy, good baseball guy. You can talk to him. Um, he gives you objective, clear um, understanding of what you're looking for, um, and he's just a valuable, valuable resource. And he loves to compete. You know, this guy comes to win. And he's he's um, super dedicated as a team and to us being great. And you know, and such a department that that I'm glad you brought up, as well as our medical and performance teams. You know, you look up and you and you know these guys get banged up. These guys have have injuries and they have, they're playing with different things and our medical team is phenomenal the hours they put in to making sure guys are able to play and ready to play and then uh, the performance group with this you know strength conditioning it's a big part now of the game and they do a phenomenal job of, of keeping guys on the field and, and and being proactive and making sure guys stay stay able to handle the load that is the grind of the of the season so um, like you said a lot of working parts a lot of moving parts and uh, I'm blessed to be able to work with a lot of elite, you know, people that care a lot about our organization and care about winning and care about our players. It's an awesome group, and I know you all look forward to getting back together again. One other thing I wanted to mention, based on what you said, you're so right about Walshie and his group. I mean, to walk in there and see everything hung up and clean, like, did you have a game last night? I mean, and and knowing that everything right. is ready to go again and the food and everything that they do in there to keep everybody going. And then there's another operation right down the hall on the other side for the visitors. And I know this for a fact, that the opposing players talk about St. Louis all the time. They love coming to St. Louis, the convenience of most of the time they stay at a hotel that's close to the ballpark. Um, not always, but but most of the time. But also that the food is really good, the clubbies are really good, and they are um, they're taken care of, and and the, you can tell the difference the way they take care of the field, and that St. Louis respects the game of baseball. That's what I hear from opposing players, and I'm sure you hear some of that too. Yeah, same thing. It's, it's, I mean, look, reputations are mostly deserved, and and the cardinal reputation of being first class. Um, and, and just trying to do things the right way and take care of people and be respectful of the game from the field to the opposing clubhouse with, with Rip, you know, Rowan, who's over there and runs that program. And, um, you know, it's just a just a class act and, and um, you know, privileged to be a part of such a longstanding class winning organization. Yeah, I miss that stuff a lot. We will get into it, though. I know sooner than we think, probably, as we just keep uh, being patient and hanging in there. This is Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager. He is with us on his radio show. The Cardinals have this uh, great opportunity for us, and Mike does as well. Gives us an opportunity to talk to him for an hour. The Mike Schilt Show on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll be back right after these words. Now, back to the Mike Schultz Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. Cardinals manager Mike Schultz is with us. Always a pleasure to have him on these Sunday mornings. Mike, we uh, will take some questions uh, on Twitter if people want to tweet at us at KMOX Sports, or you can send it to mine if you want, Ackerman1120. I'll be able to see them both. Uh, There is a question right out of the gate, and it is about... Uh, the minor leagues, they they wanted to get your thoughts on 
And, and I know that you don't have all the information right now, but just your, your general feeling, and I know you do have strong feelings from your family ties to it, about the future of the minor league system and um, you know the strength of it right now and, and what's to come. What do you know about the future of the minor leagues? Well, I don't know anything in, uh, for any certainty. Um, you know, minor league seasons is up in the air. Um, more so than ours, um, clearly from a revenue standpoint and just a national interest that, you know, um, and from a TV perspective that the Major League Baseball season is, is at the forefront. Um, doesn't mean that minor league season is being ignored or is not important. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, right now baseball in general is just trying to get uh, the Major League product back and, and operating and, and um, in our culture again and, and, you know, my hope is that minor league baseball will be able to follow based on some of the practice that will be taking place soon, soon after. But, um, you know, it'll, it's uh, going to be interesting. Clearly we need our, our system and, and everybody's system to, to play and develop and to be available to, to be able to continue to uh, assist our major league team and have those players, you know, continue to improve their craft and, you know, the trickle-down effects of the amateurs as well. And, of course, the draft is going to be modified this year on some level. Um, uh, fairly significantly, I would imagine. Um, so I'm not really sure what it looks like. And my hope is, that, you know, like my hope is for the greater good of our society is that, you know, we get more clarity and resolution to what we're dealing with and, and get back to um, more normal way of operating our lives. And, and that would hopefully uh, clearly impact minor league baseball as well. Your trip through the minor leagues has been well documented, but uh, talking about it here, I just, I love following all your travels through the years and, your first, I, I wanted you to recall, I don't know that I've ever asked you this, your first game as a manager. Can you, do you recall that specifically and what that felt like to, to see your team run out for the first time as a manager in the Cardinals system? Because I know you had done it, you know, of course yeah, you, you had coached before that, but now you're, now you're, <laughs> you're, you're in the Cardinals organization. Well, I mean, it's, it's, um, it was, not as surreal, but still surreal in the sense of, um, you know, I, I, getting into player development was um, something that was a little bit of a long shot on on any time full time basis. So when I was able to do that, I was obviously, you know, very excited about it, and 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 then started managing um, games. With, so I can't really definitively say when it was like the, officially it was 2009 in Johnson City. Mm-hmm. Unofficially, it was. Um, with Mark Dijon, um, where I where really got the best experience of my baseball life um, by far, um, coaching with him, and he would let me manage a high percentage of our games when I coached with him for three years. Um, and he would say, initially just turn to me and say, okay, I coached third, and he'd let me run the offense um, and say, you know, you do it. And, you know, you want to bond, hit and run, just do what you want to do. And then he, after a while, he sort of let me manage the, manage the games. Um, and so then, you know, it was pretty heady stuff. And I, I just, you know, didn't really even think at that point it was still going to be an opportunity for me to, like, legitimately be the manager of a team. Um, and then 2009, I, t- I managed the John City Club. And um, so that first game, you know, it's, you just – uh, you step back and you go, how, you know, how, how did this happen? You know, and you're just grateful for it, and you look over, and and then you get down to the the, the competition, of the game, and um, 
you don't want to get too uh, lose your lose your focus too much. You want to you want to be over there and you know managing a minor league game is a little different. Clearly, you want to win a game, but you know there's just a different thought process of how you go about managing, especially at the rookie level where you're trying to create opportunities for players. Um, so it was uh, it was surreal. I bet it was. Uh, Mark D. John, I, I love that guy and hearing the two of you and, and what you did together. That was like 06, 07, uh, right? When you were coaching with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 05, 06, 07. Um, and then I went to be a hitting coach in John city without him in, in 2008. Um, to, to, uh, it turns out to kind of get acclimated to that league and be ready to manage the next year. But yeah, I was within three years and, and, um, he was in Mon Michelle's wedding and just a just a great dude and um tremendous baseball guy that that I care about deeply and that I'm amazed to have in my life Johnson City now you were successful with them your first year with them you went thirty seven and thirty uh your second year your team went forty two and twenty four you beat uh, your first two playoff opponents. You won the Appalachian League Championship. You were named the Cardinals Minor League Manager of the Year by the uh, service Scout.com. Here you are in Johnson City, Tennessee, which, by the way, for folks who, who don't know, and I know our Cardinals fans mostly know this, but it's right on the North Carolina border pretty much, which is your home state. What did that mean to you? Yeah, it's it's kind of bittersweet because you know it was great because you're in a part of the country that you're uh, familiar with, um, but you're in rookie ball. You're playing 68 um, games in 71 days is the regular season for that, and then of course uh, in 10 and 11 we went and won the league both years, and so you go a little further. So what I'm getting at is you really you're you're close to home, but you might as well be in California because you're you're just playing and getting after it every day, and um, so you really don't have an opportunity to scoot over for the weekend and and check out your your home. And the days off are are pretty precious. So um, yeah, it was it was great to be in that part of the country, mostly because people could come visit that I was familiar with. But as far as me being able to break out and get home and and hang out, that wasn't really an option. That's right. Uh, you had also received that year the George Kissel Award, and I know we talked about Mr. Kissel last show, but that award is for excellence in player development, and I know that meant a ton to you as well. Yeah, um, probably the the most important, most impactful individual award that I've ever won, and and and. Um, you know, you may say, well, gosh, you know, manager of the year in the National League. That, I don't want to minimize that at all. Um, I, I view that as a, a very much of a, a staff award and a team award more than an individual award. Um, and the Kissel Award, obviously, being named by Mr. Kissel, um, it just just means the world to you, you know, how much respect you have for him. And, and um, it's just a revered award in our organization, and to win it, and it's also voted on by the people in our organization. So, you know, anytime you win an award from your from your peers um, to the magnitude of, that represents George Kissel's name is, is uh, for me at least, very um, beyond special. 
And here you are a decade later, and you have this team on the verge of repeating as NL Central champions if they can get out there and pitch, run, defend, and get some consistently consistency offensively. They're going to be right in the mix, if not at the top. And that is uh, some accomplishment that I know you continue to push. We're going to talk about the 2020 club a little bit more when we come back on our final segment. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Love talking ball with Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager. I'm Tom Ackerman. Back after this. Now, back to the Mike Schultz Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Now the pitch. Jay swings and singles to right field. That scores Yadier Molina. Terrio gets the stop sign. The throw comes through on to second. Jay, he is safe. Jay makes it in safely. Good base running there. Really good base running. A single, a run batted in for John Jay, his first RBI in postseason play, and as Mike said, very heads-up base running. He's on second. Absolutely was. Welcome back to the show. It's the Mike Schilt Show. I'm Tom Ackerman. That from 2011, John Jay, Game 2 of the NLDS. Jay would get thrown out, actually, after that on a hit by Rafael for call that drove in one. But then Jay drives in another run in the six. Albert Pujols breaks the 4-4 tie. Cardinals come back from 4 nothing down, went at 5-4 setting up a Game 3 today at Bush Stadium from 2011 on KMOX. We will have that at noon. That's fun to listen to. I knew you'd appreciate that one, Mike. John Jay with the nice... Yeah, that's great, my yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, John Jay, what a stud. What a good dude, great competitor, and um, clutch player, obviously. Yeah, it really was. Great base runner, great player overall. He's going to be on next hour, and Matt Holiday. Talk about a guy that the players looked up to. Soft-spoken maybe in his playing career... Uh, to the media, but you know that's the people needed to understand that what a what a rock he was to so many people, not only as a ball player, Mike, but as a dad, as a husband, uh, as a human being. A lot of players looked up to him, didn't they? Yeah, Matt's um, solid across the board. Clearly, a great player. Um, just solid, helped this organization, you know, stabilize the lineup and, and win a lot of baseball games and big help in that you know, a couple of series, including that 11 championship. But, um, you know, equally or as, as uh, our greater human being, just a strong man of faith that um, just gentle giant quietly just goes about um, helping people, not only his teammates, but helping his community, helping those less fortunate. And just, it just does it to, to do, you know, to be for no accolades, just to, just to know that he's capable of doing it and has the heart to do it. Just a lot of respect for Matt Holiday. Which brings me to a player in our final segment here that I wanted to talk about, and that's Paul Goldschmidt, who I know does so many things very well for you. But first, if we can start with the person and what kind of an impact uh, he has had on you and your ball club. Yeah, similar description to, to Matt Holiday, just um, just a uh, high character, um, very dedicated, very conscientious um, in a lot of different areas, conscientious to his community, conscientious to his family, very dedicated um, to, to being a good family man and is um, conscientious to our team, our community, others that aren't, you know, as fortunate potentially, and just an um, overall well-rounded uh, human being and clearly a terrific player that is dedicated to his craft and, and, and dedicated to us winning baseball games. He's you know, people say, and, and we have a lot of these guys, and, and Goldie's one of them, that he would, um, he'd rather go for four and us win than four for four and, and, um, and us come out in the short end. 
when the two of you met for the first time, you clicked right away, didn't you? I I, I recall Goldie telling the, telling that story, and you as well. Yeah, you know what? Um, we had multiple conversations before before we had a chance to meet. Um, and then when we did meet, me and, and uh, Goldie and Amy went to uh, Dominic's for for dinner. And um, but no, the first conversations were, you know, of course, welcoming and do you need anything? And um, so just peripheral, you know, kind of conversation. And then after after that, it started to get into the baseball part and. Um, and that's the part that really was a was a bond, and and really knew he'd fit into what we were trying to do. And it doesn't minimize that other people don't talk baseball. That's not what I'm saying. I just, um, at least for our relationship and how we operate, and and the fundamentals. And this guy, we talked for, you know, 15, 20 minutes about some very specific details about bunt plays and and um, and some base running things that um, I was like, whoa, you know, this this guy really is sincere about being a complete player at every turn and has some really, really high quality thoughts on some some not so basic fundamental things, very, you know, minute technique driven things and he was he enjoyed it. Um and so it was just two guys talking, you know, about some very specific things from a baseball standpoint that, that generally don't get a lot of a lot of conversation um outside of the necessity of a meeting of how we wanna Make our turn, or what we want our first base doing a bunt play, or what, which way they want to turn, or on a cutoff and relay. I mean, and um, so just a kinder spirit in that regard. Yeah, no question. I, you know, the two of you are similar. Also, is that uh, neither of you, from uh, to my knowledge, are on social media. You know, one thing that he brought up uh, when I first talked to him as a cardinal when he had his press conference and we chatted in our studio is he said, I just, you know, I just want to play baseball and then go home and hang out with my family and friends and then go do it again. I, like, I don't really have time or need for <laughs> for anything else. That's him, man. Yeah, similar thought process. I mean, I, I got on Facebook 100 years ago, and I'd, I'd probably figure out a way. It's a great platform. I, yeah. and I know it's beneficial and, and does a lot of pauses for people and connects people. I just uh, I got on it and didn't really, you know, have a lot of need for it. And, um can't, I can't figure out how to get off of it, but um, uh, you know, same deal. You know, I've got a lot of energy. You know, I have so much time and energy, and, and um, personally, I'd rather spend it on. Um, I'm not a big, you know, look at me person. Not that that's what that platform's for. It's a connecting component. I, I get it, but um, you know, I usually I connect maybe in an old-fashioned way with the people that I care about the most. And of course, I got Michelle in my life now with the girls and. And um, so I get to connect with them, you know, uh, as much as I can when I see them or through conversation or FaceTime. So, um, you know, and then other people that I'm close to in similar fashion. But, um, you know, I just really just want to just want to do my thing and, and do the best I can to to um, put my piece in to, to help our organization continue to move forward. And, and beyond that, just spend, you know, time with the people that I'm close with in a, in a, in a more traditional fashion, I guess. We appreciate you spending some time with us on these Sunday mornings. Hopefully for people, it just sounds like two guys catching up on the phone, talking a little baseball, and gives them a little normalcy. At least that's the response we've been getting from fans. So we appreciate it very much. About 30 seconds Good. to go. What do you have going on today? Anything special? Um, no, relax. You know, we're in a good spot. Um, and we're we're able to relax and enjoy each other, enjoy some of the beautiful part of God's country. and. And um, with people that we care about, and, and uh, we'll do that today, and and um, you know clearly be thinking about the people that are 
that are less fortunate and, you know, send them our best through, through prayer and, and, um, you know, so everybody can stay positive and be grateful for what we do have. I know, you know, there's a lot of things out there that are frustrating what we don't, but, um, if everybody can have as positive a mindset as possible and, and know that there's somebody out there, if they're, if they need some help or, or struggling with something, don't be afraid to reach out and say, Hey, I could use a little pick me up. And I know there's a lot of people out there that'd be willing to, to give to you and, and to share with you. But, um, we have a great situation today and, and we're, we're pleased about it. We'll enjoy it. And, um, I just wish the best for everybody. You too. Have have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, Tom. Take care. Have a blessed day. You too. There's the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, on KMOX. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.